This is episode number 146, Conversations to Have for Change, with Quinn Farrell. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few brief announcements. First one being regarding our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is a conversation that takes place every single Saturday that starts at 9 a.m. Central Time and is hosted through Zoom, during which we talk about topics that matter most to our lives. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming conversations, as well as additional ways that you can be a part of this community, go ahead and leave us a message through our website to which we'll respond with all of the details. The second announcement that I would like to make is in regard to our upcoming events. I've received many questions regarding when will the next event take place and how will it happen. The next event that we're planning will be called Survive to Thrive. Your past doesn't determine your future. This is an event that will take place through Zoom during which we'll be able to have open discussions about different topics that relate to a larger theme as well as hear stories from speakers from all over the country. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming event, go ahead and visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to the show. Quinn, welcome to the show. Oh, look, thanks for having me here. Um, it's, uh, it's good to see you again, as always. Absolutely. I'm glad that you and I are able to sit down and have this conversation. And just like always, I feel like we have a full-blown conversation prior to the conversation that actually takes place <laughs> with, with everything that's hap- that has happened. And it's, it's a really interesting world that we live in, in my opinion, because there's so much change that happens. And it, I mean, I even think about where we're at right now within the week and all the discussions that we had in regard to coronavirus for months. And all of a sudden that seems like it's out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're on to the next thing. And so it's, for me, it's been of importance to take a step back, slow down a little bit, and have some of these more in-depth conversations around, like, how do you have a dialogue? How do you have a conversation when there's no language to begin with? And I think we experience that on so many levels. And I know that when you and I initially connected, we spoke about different topics, but one of the topics that stood out to me the most was the shared element of fatherhood that you and I are not necessarily in from our perspective, but the fathers that we have in our lives. And so I've been curious to know, and maybe the best way that I could think of to start off this conversation to begin with, and that is, how do you remember your father? Um, that's a great question. Um, and you know, it's one that, that means, uh, means a lot to me, you know, it's, um, you know, I lost my dad, um, a few years ago and, um, but it, it, it was, it was really, you know, the, the best part is the last conversation. The last thing I said to him, um, was I love you. And, and he said the same. So 
you know, I'll, I'll let the story be known that it starts there. Um, you know, the, um, you know, before that, um, you know, one thing that has always, uh, you know, for me, you know, my dad was almost stoic in nature, um, mm -hmm. to say that if you met him, he wasn't, um, you know, he played bass guitar and, and, you know, never met somebody, you know, that he couldn't have a conversation with outside of the house, but there was, there's definitely an emotional thing there. Um, you know, as a kid that was, you know, there was a separation there and there was, it was hard to have some conversations, um, you know, and, and, you know, he was a, an architect. Um, my grandfather was an engineer, um, come from a line of, you know, technical people and, you know, we're not always known for being able to, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you know, share our emotions. Um, yeah, I know that that resonates with you. And, and so, um, you know, I, I will say I never felt like there wasn't love there, um, but there definitely the language you spoke of. Um, sometimes there wasn't a way to um, to express that. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the conversations, um, you know, we had, especially younger, um, they were they were harder. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, my dad was in Vietnam, um, and so you know, I know that was something that um, haunted him. You know, even into his adult life, um, he would still have nightmares and there were things that were associated with that and you know i really only got a couple stories out of um you know about what that experience was like um for him there so i know you know one of those was he was up for three days straight um you know they were under attack and um you know and i just think of you know when i pulled an all-nighter in college you know i was i was pretty useless the next day after missing one night of sleep i can only imagine you know being in a jungle and having you know that that adrenaline going and and you know you're, you're staying awake purely on the sake of you know it's life or death and so um you know th that stuff was there um and to, to compound it i know that um you know his relationship with his father um was difficult at times um you know there were some things you know that, i mean i know they worked on cars together and i know they had those things i never met my grandfather um he was uh um he actually passed away the year um i was um i hadn't been born yet my mom was pregnant with me so um, i didn't get to meet him but um there some interesting stories and and this kind of this this has been on my my heart for the last week so i'll bring it up to kind of ties into both of, you know, what's going on in the world and where we're at now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my brother got a chance to sit down and talk to my uncles um, this past year. And he actually had like a two hour conversation and um, press record. And, you know, it was really cool. And just say, Hey, ask us, you know, cause you know, dad never really talked about um, our grandfather and, and what it was like. And you found out, I mean, there were some stories. He said, you know, it was great. We lived in Florida. Uh, we moved down from New Jersey and, you know, there were these, stories of you know they go water skiing and some of the things i knew from from being a kid but um one of the stories that came out was um you know my dad was supposed to pick the family up from church on uh, one wednesday night and uh, he didn't meet him at church and he came home late turned the car off pushed it up the driveway tried to sneak in the house and you know when he got in the house his grandfather was waiting for him and uh, my uncle said he he didn't see what happened but he heard the thud and then he saw my dad you know covering his face and so um it was interesting because when I heard that story, like, um, one, I started crying, which is not something I do very often. Um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to punch my grandfather. Um, I wanted to hug my dad. Um, and then, and I started thinking about it and I really, I wanted to hug my grandfather because, um, you know, he's first generation, um, 
you know, American, he was born in Ireland. And, and I went back and I started thinking, you know, what was his dad doing, um, you know, to him that made him think that when he became a father, it was going to be okay to punch his son. Um, you know, and my dad never punched me. He, he spanked me a lot. Um, and, oh, what, and not that I didn't, you know, I don't think anyone deserves spanking, but you know, there was, there were times, but that was his, that was just how he understood to, to raise kids. And so, um, you know, then I had to smile because I thought, you know, I've never spanked my kids. And, um, and it's something where, you know, here in two generations, we've kind of really broken a cycle that I'm sure was there much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that because there was a really interesting post I saw this week about somebody trying to empathize with the police officer, um, you know, uh, and, and saying, you know, we're not born, uh, to hate, we're not born killers. Um, and so you know, what was his experience, um, and what got him to the point where, you know, he thought, you know, putting a knee on somebody's throat, and, you know, was acceptable or that was the right thing to do. Um, and so, you know, it, it a completely you know different um story but shades of gray and i think there's a lot of um a lot of what we're dealing with is is inherited um and it goes to a cellular level and it's something that's been going on for generations um you know and and as we look at um you know the race issues and and there's been different you know slavery there's things that have been going on for thousands of years um and you know how they've manifested themselves now in this country we've just gotten to a point where um, you know, we've got a lot of baggage, um, that we're carrying from prior generations. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, you know, in a lot of ways, we're just picking it up and carrying it for the next generation. Um, and my hope is, um, and I, and I know this is, is possible, um, you know, that we start putting some of that down. Um, Mm -hmm. And, or even if, if we're, you know, at, at best, you know, if we're, we're carrying, you know, if I'm carrying my, my father's suitcase, now let's open up and see what's inside. Um, and let's talk about that. And how did we get here and, uh, and what's going on. And, and so, you know, that requires a language. Um, and, and I'm happy to say that, you know, I found that language with my dad later in life. Um, and we were able to have some conversations and, you know, bring up some things that, you know, were, were good. And, and again, it, it ended on a high note. Um, you know, so I know my dad to be, you know, he was, you know, a loving, a loving guy um, who was really proud. Um, and, you know, he got to a point where he could express that. But as a, you know, as a kid, there were a lot of, there were a lot of years there where that didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know change is possible. Um, but finding that language and, you know, one thing, you know, helped me was, you know, I played football, you know, <laughs> My dad was like my biggest fan. He's like the 12th man. He's always on the sidelines. Like just, you know, like, you know, they joked that he could lead the cheerleaders. And so, you know, there were, the, there were, there were those kind of things that like it helped, you know, and, and, and you know, it was something he had, um, yeah, it was that ironic thing we were talking about earlier, but he had asthma and like he didn't play, um, you know, football when he was growing up. They loved it and loved the, the competition, um, you know, but it was always funny because he wouldn't let me play sports if I didn't get good grades. Um, you know, mm. and he always said, I'll support you, but you've got to, you know, you know, your football's a, um, a privilege. It's not something, you know, you're here to, you know, go to school and, and some of those things. So there were, you know, there were, there were good things like that, that, that came out of it. Um, you know, but, but it is definitely having those emotional conversations. And like I said, I don't think I ever saw him cry, um, mm-hmm. you know, which is another thing that I, I've recognized in myself that, um, you know, it, it, it's something that, you know, I'm not 
ashamed of crying anymore. Like I just recognize like that's a that's a really hard um, you know faucet for me to turn on, and and I know um, that comes from a place of you know I held tight to that faucet for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know because my uh, you know my parents divorced when I was younger, and you know I remember them fighting and some of the things that came out of that, and um, and so you know there were there were times when, um, you know, you'd want to, you know, ask me you know, in my mind, you, know, you think about those things, you know, like what happened. And so, um, some of that stuff was, was swept under the rug, um, and that we never, we never went back and talked about it. But by the time I got to, um, you know, college and then had my own kids, um, you know, he was a great grandfather. The kids still talk about grandpa when they, you know, um, he was in the army and was a, um, Chinook, um, crew chief, you know, it's the double bladed helicopters and, you know, but when they see planes, they, you know, just associate that with grandpa, you know, flying over to say hi. And, and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that he was in, um, in our lives, um, and with the kids and, you know, it's interesting to, to talk about grandfather one more time. And I wrote a, a thing on LinkedIn, but, you know, I didn't realize either that my grandfather had been shot down twice. Um, and uh, he was a pilot in, in the war. And, and, you know, the last time it was over water and he actually had to swim back across the English Channel. And, um, you know, there were oh, some wow. really crazy stories, you know, and then my dad was actually shot down out of the helicopter repelling in the jungle. And, and you know, those stories come back and, and I, I'm just amazed because I think of what are the odds, right? And what are mm-hmm. the odds that any of us are here right now? Um, and, and, and so you hear those stories and you learn a little bit about that. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a rich history, some good, some bad, and, and I can't change what happened. Um, but I can, I can try to understand it and I can use it to inform me on how I'm going. But I, you know, the miracle that I'm here right now, um, isn't lost to me and that my kids are here now. Um, and that there is another generation coming. Um, you know, I, I don't want to lose that magic in this moment. Um, and I, you know, people talk about, you know, the world is, you know, is, is, it's the end of the world or there's a lot of negative stuff swirling around right now. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's true. Um, but you know, we've been, I think we've been carrying around a lot of dirty laundry. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's time to kind of, you know, air that out. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, just like I didn't know how to talk to my dad at first, um, you know, as, as a little kid and, you know, I would get in trouble and there would be that cycle of, um, you know, of conflict, um, you know, we did transcend that. Um, and, and I'm hoping that's kind of where we're at now is by having some of these conversations, um, you know, and creating space for it, um, you know, cause we'll be able to transcend. And I, and I know that when we lean in and we have mm-hmm. a conversation, um, you know, that's where change happens because it, it never happens standing on others to either side of the, you know, the river thinking your own thoughts. Um, you know, you, you know, it's like they say, when you, you know, you never learn anything when you're talking, um, you know, like you, you have to listen. Um, and so, um, I say that as I realize I've been talking for the most of the last 10 minutes, <laughs> but that, that's, that's, that's kind of where my head's at, man. It's, um, you know, it, it was interesting because when we did talk, you know, that's, I've been thinking a lot about my, um, my dad and, and just about where we are now and, and things and, you know, and, and to, another kind of a side on that is, you know, interestingly enough, because I, um, I remember when the Rodney King riots happened, um, you know, I was in middle school and there was a bomb threat at our school 
and we were all put out on the playground. And at that time, everybody um, pushed, pushed to their side, you know, not pushed to the side, but we all got in our groups, right. And we're hanging out with the people that we hang out with. And, um, mm-hmm. and so this, you know, this group of kids, you know, started walking around and, you know, there was, um, you know, probably a dozen, you know, African-American, you know, boys. And, and they came up to our group and like, Hey man. And uh, I started kind of talking trash and, and I stood up and I was like, what's, what's going on? What's the beef? And, you know, one guy just came up and punched me in the eye and, um, you know, gave me a black guys. So what are you going to do? And I was like, well, you know, there's 10 of you and I know my friends, you know, aren't going to step up like this, this, you know, I said, this isn't even worth it. We're going to leave. So we just left school. Um, and you know, it was interesting because two things came out of that moment. You know, when I go home and just talk to my dad about it, you know, he grew up in New Jersey and they moved to Tampa, Florida. And then, um, you know, he said, Quinn, I don't, some of this, I don't understand because, you know, I didn't, I didn't see an African-American. I didn't have to really deal with, you know, a peer group until I was in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then when you're in Vietnam, you're wearing a green uniform. And when you're over there and you have know, heard a few, once the bullets start flying, you know, it's, you're on, you're either on my side or you're on their side. And, and you know, and some of those things go away. And so, you know, it was, it was interesting, you know, so I wasn't given, um, you know, fortunately for me, it wasn't there or not there, um, you know, in a positive or negative way. And I know a lot of my friends that was there, um, you know, and the people I grew up around, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, racism in the South and and some of the things, um, but it, it, it wasn't there. Um, and it just wasn't in places. And I think that's some of the thing that we're seeing now with, um, you know, continued integration and, and, and some other things that are that are happening you know these people there's a conversation where we don't have this language and just like my dad didn't have that language for me um you know we don't always have you know the language for everybody else and i think this goes beyond just race and it's any group any group mm-hmm. that's different than you um and and so you know being able to um you know have that that conversation is, is really important. And, and one of the things that looked back as I was, you know, when it, when it happened, you know, it's like, I remember like, well, you're not, you know, Quinn, you're not racist. I was like, but I started thinking about it, you know, I used to wear cowboy boots and I look like Garth Brooks and, you know, like I listen to country <laughs> music and like, that's who I was, right. I had the mullet. I mean, it's some, some funny, some funny school pictures from that time. Um, and I started looking at it. I was like, well, yeah, you know, maybe that wasn't who I was, but damn, I was sure putting on a, um, you know, if you, if you had to, if you had mm-hmm. to guess, yeah, I mean, and I was associating with the people who were, um, and so in some ways, I kind of brought that on myself. And I think about that, um, you know, and it's never right. Violence isn't isn't ever right, um, but it's you know, you start saying, well, why are that? Why would they do this? Or why you know? And it's like, well, because you know, I was associating with those people, and I think that's one of the things you know we 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 think not saying anything is that neutral position and it's not mm-hmm. really, you know, it's that I'm not racist. And it's like, well, you, that's, that's a negative thing. You know, like you either have to be pro, um, you know, something, you know, and I, and I think that's more what it is, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I want to be more, cause that's, that's how I identify is, you know, I'm, I'm for everybody. You know, I, I think, um, you know, there's, there's many colors and, you know, I'm, I'm, whatever color of pink I am, it's not white, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and I, and I think we all have value as humans. And I think that's something that we don't, um, you know, we don't get to see. And, you know, the, the most beautiful example of this for me is my son's in the Chicago children's choir and the, um, 
you know, they've got every something like 52 neighborhoods are represented and there's over 5,000 kids and, um, you know, and you see what happens, you know, when they all come together, it's in, they literally are one voice. Um, you know, it is possible to unite, um, around this human experience. Um, you know, because we are 99.9%, you know, genetically the same, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's amazing to me how much diversity is in that 0.01%. Um, and that's awesome because, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, um, you know, some of, you know, my favorite people look nothing like me. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, it's like nobody goes to a museum to look at the same picture on every wall, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so that's, um, you know, in, in, the, in the culture and, and the things that come out of that. So, you know, I, I just, um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, there's, there's been, I've seen, you know, on a micro level, I've seen transformation um, in my own life. I see what the children's choir has been able to do in Chicago for the last 60 years. Um, and, you know, we've still got a long way to go, but there is a, there's a, there's a path forward, um, you know, if we're willing to, uh, you know, create the space and, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm glad we got a chance to redo this conversation because I think, yeah. um, you know, just thinking about it this past week and where we're at now, um, you know, this feels more like the conversation, you know, we needed to have. Yeah. And I think to what many of your points, but one of them that I'd like to point out is a conversation that I had with a friend of mine on Wednesday, and he had asked me the question of how long do you want to carry the trauma? And if you kind of think about it, as far as where we have been as a society and the different things that have happened throughout history, it's, I, I think, in my opinion, the best way to move forward is to start working on letting go of that trauma and start having the dialogue and start having the conversation even in positions where you don't know where to start with and your starting point may be i don't know i don't know how to have a conversation about this i don't know how to bring up this topic without hurting someone else's feeling or not knowing someone else's experience when it comes to a particular thing but just genuinely wanting to know what that felt like And so I think a lot of dialogue, what I've learned over the years, and maybe this is the way that we've been conditioned to think or program, or at least I was, I'll speak from my perspective. And that is in the form of a dialogue, there's this desired need or want to know the answer. Now I have to ask you a question and you have to give me an answer when in reality, there's so much of that answer you don't even know where where it comes from because you right. don't know the experiences that led up to it. So I think in this particular case and everything that we're experiencing, as I shared with you, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about race and mm-hmm. how it impacts him and the different fears that he might experience, the discrimination that he faces every day. And I didn't know a lot of this. Right. And I didn't know it because that that was never a topic that we conversed. Over. Right. It's not um, it's not a common enough theme to have a conversation in my life. So it, it really took a lot of courage and action from my end to step into it. And the other thing that I'll point out as you were talking about this is this concept of white privilege. Mm-hmm. And so what I've learned about it is 
in my opinion, yes, there might be elements of it that do exist, but at the same time, I think if we if if I focus so much on that, instead of just acknowledging the fact that, hey, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And it doesn't make me ignorant, it doesn't make me racist, it doesn't make me any of these terms. Rather, I think what it does give me is it gives me the opportunity to create a space without shame, without guilt, without embarrassment of not knowing, where I can ask whatever the mm -hmm. question may be, and I can start a dialogue. And the thing that the other thing that you mentioned in regard to having this take another week of us having this conversation and having it be the topic that I think you and I were meant to discuss is I believe there's no there's no right or wrong time for response. Mm -hmm. Take whatever time that you need to formulate whatever the response that you need. I remember on Tuesday when the whole Blackout Tuesday started, mm -hmm. I looked at the thing in all honesty, as much as I wanted to repost the same image, it didn't sit well with me yeah. because I didn't understand what that image was actually trying to communicate beyond the surface level text. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think even more and more. And I thought of, well, is that how this community wants to be seen to begin with? Right. You know, are, are we actually taking away something from that community by just posting an image with no words, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think in regard to that, it's, and this kind of goes back to many other situations where we do have to have uncomfortable conversations. And it's take whatever time you need to build that foundation, to form right. that response. There's no right or wrong time. Just because you might not have said something for three days, that doesn't mean that you chose the other side. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you chose to stay, stay in silence. It just means that maybe you're taking the time to process what's happening. Right. Because you have had a set of experiences. I remember the, t the experience that you shared with me prior to us hitting record of the bus rides that you used to mm -hmm. take. I didn't experience that. Right. So I have no way of knowing what you went through or yeah. what anyone else on that bus went through. So I, I think the point of creating a space where we can mutually understand each other for where we're at and also know that everyone's carrying their own burdens and not everyone is willing to or in the place to talk about all those burdens in a way that you want to have that conversation. No, I think that's um, really well put and it, it gets back to, we need to, You know, it's it's one thing to ask the question, um, and then another to just leave the space for the answer um, mm -hmm. instead of demanding an answer um, from that question. Um, you know, and and sometimes you got to ask three questions to get to the right question. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, but I, and I think we've all found too. It, it's not going to be perfect, um, you know, and there's no one conversation that's going to solve all these. Um, but there's an openness um, that that comes from it. Um, 
you know. And, um, you know, I can think of another, we're just talking to my dad, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, religion was a thing for him, you know, and, 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 um, you know, and I grew up in Catholic on my mom's side and Lutheran on my dad's side. And, you know, I believe in God, but, um, you know, what church meant to me was not what it meant to my dad. And, um, you know, I finally remember he, you know, and, and, you know, we would talk about church and there were things that would come up. And then finally one time he just told me, it's like, um, he goes, Quinn, I understand, you know, you're, you're doing what you think is right and you want to do it. He goes, and I appreciate that. He goes, you know, for a while there, you know, I wanted, you know, I wanted you to say, you know, you were going to church and you're going to find a church. He goes, I know you'll find what's right for your family. And, and I respect you for doing that. Um, and then it didn't have to be, you know, we didn't ever have to talk about, you know, that question never came up anymore. And so mm -hmm. I think that was a big thing for him. Um, and I think there's some of these things that we, we hold sacred, um, and for good reason. Um, but you know, I think sometimes too, we, we want something to be some way for somebody else based on what we want it to be instead mm -hmm. of asking them, you know, what's right for them. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I saw. Um, and one of the greatest things my dad taught me was to, you know, eventually, um, you know, as a father, you know, he goes, you know, we, we do our best, you know, and, um, it's actually interesting because I, you know, um, found a letter that he had written to my mom because they were, you know, talking about some stuff and, and he just said, look, he goes, it's, this is beyond us. Um, you know, we, we raised them and he goes, I'm just fortunate that we're, um, you know, they're at a point now where this is their lives and I'm fortunate they allow us to still be a part of it and engage in the way that they are. And, um, and I think that was one of the things too. It's like, you know, you can, you can only do so much, but you can't force somebody else to have an experience. Um, you know, you've got to give the space for them to have, you know, that experience for themselves and i think sometimes we try and project these things or this is the way it should be or this is the way it is mm -hmm. um and you know and, and we try and reinforce where you know what our worldview is right i mean that's a you know one of these things we you know we talked about biases earlier where you know it's you know we naturally assume everyone thinks like us mm -hmm. um and we think what's right for our worldview is what's right for the world and and you know challenging that is um is something i think we all have to uh we all have to do. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a two-way street when it comes to any form of dialogue because wherever you're at and wherever I'm at could be two very different destinations. They're different mm -hmm. places. And in having this this dialogue, you're spot on as far as forcing it. It's There has to be, I think, a level, in my opinion, of almost um, <clears throat> normalcy that happens because I think that's where through the development of my own language about how to talk about some of these subjects, that's where I'm able to actually change and reframe some of my previous thoughts versus if it's only your thoughts that are being kind of projected onto me that I may not fully understand because I haven't internalized them yet. Well, mm -hmm. that's why change may not happen is because I actually don't understand. And in regard to not only everything that's happening, but also our, fathers and the relationships that we have with them, there are some things that 
we may only be able to understand to a degree mm-hmm. and not to its full extent. And that's another thing that I think is important to note within this is as much as we want to understand the complete picture, we may only find one puzzle. Mm-hmm. It may be as that that may be as far as we will get through our lifetime. I know for a fact that when it comes to a relationship with my dad, so as you know a little bit about my story and my upbringing, my first 12 years, I didn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And there's still some mixed stories behind who he was and what he did. And so when I was adopted at 12 and I was able to finally experience this notion of having a father, I will say this, that is very challenging. It was challenging to step into that space and especially step into a space where it was a male figure that you could actually ask questions and depend on for certain mm-hmm. things because I was that male figure for the first 12 years. Right. I was that kid. I was that father to myself. And so in not knowing how to have a conversation or where to even begin, I can now say that, yes, our relationship has transitioned into different facets of it due to the age and maturity that we've built. But at the same time, I will also say that there's there's still a pit, a piece, probably multiple pieces that are missing. Right. And it's because we didn't have a foundation as that young kid or a, or a baby and a father figure. We didn't have right. those things. So I, I grew, up, grew up in the world where I was 12 years old, had a very good understanding of the world, and here was another person that supposedly was my dad. Right. And in reality, I didn't even know what is a dad to begin with. What can he do? What mm-hmm. can he not do? How is he going to influence me? Who is he to begin with? How was he brought up? So it's interesting to see that. And it's also interesting to see the fact how you and I have had the journeys that we had. And yet we were able to develop some of these elements, such as emotions, Mm -hmm. talking about emotions that in our society, in my opinion, you don't do that. Especially as a male. As soon as emotions come up, nope, yeah. out the door. <laughs> Bye-bye to that one. <laughs> right. There's no dialogue Very that cool. happens yeah. around that. And so how do we have those conversations when you're sad, when you're depressed, mm-hmm. when you're angry? You know, we talk about the times of our fathers and the memories that they were able to create with us. But I find it very rarely that we as males, not all, but some of us have a hard time about talking about the moments where we miss them. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to cry. Right. It's not a weakness. It's a huge strength. I mean, it sure. literally gives you a chance to clear out everything within your body and kind of start over, mm-hmm. restart. So I, I, I think there's a lot that needs to be looked upon from a different lens mm-hmm. and redefined. 
And those things I don't think happen overnight. I think, I don't know what the time frame is for how long it takes in order for it to become an everyday thing. But I will say that this is a beautiful time to be alive because we actually have the ability to have conversations like this and change the dialogue moving forward, not only with ourselves, but with others within the community and within the society. No, I, um, that, that really resonates with me. And, you know, I, I think it is interesting because for, for different reasons, you weren't with your dad, um, you know, when you were 12 and, you know, my dad wasn't with us in some ways, um, mm -hmm. you know, until I was, you know, 12, um, that there was there. I think the other interesting piece, um, that'd be, that's, you know, it's also, um, you know, I know your dad's an engineer and my dad was, you know, an architect and a, a fixer, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that a technical person, you know, he could, you know, could build a car and, you know, he, you know, did all these things. And I think sometimes, you know, and I, I'm guilty of this too, you know, when somebody comes with these issues, it's like, you just want to, you know, it's another problem, right? It's a systems problem. It's a math or it's something and you try and just, okay, what's the solution here? Well, a lot of times it's not a solution. The, the the answer is just to create the space and mm -hmm. to and to not try and fix it just hear the other person let them be seen um you know and i think if you jump to a pro you, know, you jump to a solution um you you sometimes miss it um you know and it's you know i can think of you know you go in for a hug and you just get a, here's how the, here's how you solve the problem or, you know, or, or here's $20, you know, or here, you know, whatever it is, you know, like there's a, it's not a, it's not always just a, just a quick transactional thing. And, and so, you know, I think that's the other piece we've got to look at, you know, this isn't, um, it isn't looking for the solution in every conversation. Um, it's just letting the conversation be, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and have that, have that come up, um, you know, cause sometimes, I mean, and honestly, we know this, um, you know, the, oftentimes the best solutions are the ones you come up with yourself. Um, yes. you know, and if somebody comes to you and, and you start listening to them or telling them the answer or telling them how they should feel or based on, you know, what you're hearing them say, you're not giving them a chance to really express you know, what it is they want us to know, or, or, you know, or, you know, are you even, you know, if you're not given that chance, um, you're not fully able to express. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, creating, keeping that space open and knowing that it's, it's sometimes the, uh, a solution is not the answer, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. that it should be, 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 be with the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that took a while for me to understand in understanding that I'm not here to fix anybody else's problem. Right. I'm here to create a space for them to find their own solutions, mm -hmm. their own tips, their own tricks to whatever it is that they're seeking. And the point that you brought up about both of our dads being in that field is that so much of that field, how you're taught, how you're conditioned to think mm -hmm. is that you have a problem, go find a solution. Right. There's no such thing as, hey, just create a space and let the solution come to you. Right. It's, in fact, you have a deadline. 
to yeah. find the solution. <laughs> you got to figure it out graded. how. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's part of the part of the challenge is that when you are in that world and the more that you choose to live in that world it becomes your world right it's it becomes one of those things where that's all you know and so when you move forward and you have children why would you pass on anything different than what you know right because you don't know what you don't know and so in that case, it's the same exact thing of how you and I were taught some of these elements or weren't taught. Right. I can say that to this day, I have not had a si single conversation with my dad about emotions. Single. Yeah. Wow. And so there's a lot that also boils down to me having a preconceived notion of who my dad is and what he's there for when a right. problem does arise. I know with my mom, I can talk through, I can find space, but that's because she's also in a different field. She's working in the field of social work. Okay. Most yeah. of her whole life. Yeah. She so uses her, it. Exactly. And her understanding of human behavior is at a completely different level. So it, it is interesting to also be self-aware enough to understand that, okay, this was my dad's experience mm -hmm. and it doesn't make him wrong. It doesn't right. make him right. It just is. Yeah. That's what he chose. And that's what he got in a way. Right. That's what was built. That was the system that was developed. So when we talk about not having father figures that can express emotions and talk about it, it's, I, I try and think of in terms of, yes, that is true, but at the same time, that's not their fault. Right. Like that was their world and that is mm -hmm. still their world. Yeah. And it's okay for a person to have a different view of the world when it comes to this stuff. So I, I think there's a lot to be said in really just choosing to embrace the person for where they're at instead of enforcing this new way of thinking, this new way of looking at life and the things that you desire. Because just like you said, not everyone wants what you want. Right. You may want to talk about emotions. Someone else may be like, hell no. Right. <laughs> Move on to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next, please. So, but I, I do like the point that you made as far as just creating a space. Mm -hmm. I think that's, in my opinion, to start off, whether or not that's the quote-unquote ultimate solution or not, who knows. But I think that's the best place that I can start in. Mm -hmm. When we talk about action, that's the best action I can take moving forward is to create a space in which, yes, I may feel uncomfortable. Yes, right. I may feel awkward. But that's okay because yeah. those, are, those things are normal human emotions. Right. Yeah, it's it's funny just thinking back on it now, like how uh, I think 
part of sometimes what we do too is we just assume it's not there you know mm-hmm. um and and you know well i just can't talk about that you know and in, in reality and and you know and it's funny as a parent now it's like you know there's not instruction manuals that come with this and and you're you're doing the best that you can and i think he was doing the best you know, but who's to say if I hadn't said something too, like he wouldn't have, you know, re- recognized it or, um, you know, sooner. Um, so, you know, I think that's, um, you know, I think if you can, if you can ask, um, you know, if you can express yourself in a way that doesn't, um, you know, you're not doing it, you're doing it to express yourself. You're not doing it to um, force anything from the other person. Um, and I think that's one of the things, you know, we can do is, is if, if we fully express ourselves, then we're going to get a fuller expression from those around us mm-hmm. um, by creating that space. Right. Um, and I think that's the thing is saying, OK, hey, this is important to me. Um, I just want you to know that. Um, and if that resonates with you, then, you know, we can talk about it. Um, and if it's not right now, that's OK, too. Um, but this is how I feel. And, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's a powerful um, conversation. Um, and I think the other one maybe to that is, you know, when we're talking to people, it's, um, you know, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you know, like your point about, you know, was 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 Blackout Tuesday the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of people it was. Um, but if, if there's somebody specifically or something that you're trying to do, instead of assuming that's the right thing, just say, hey, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. And I think um, the question um, hasn't really been extended beyond ourselves sometimes. And I think that's one of the things we can do is 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 reach out. And instead of thinking we're doing what's right based on what we know, um, just just ask. You know, let's let's just be open to to having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And even in regard to the support part, it doesn't have. It's okay to say it out. I don't know. Right. And give the time, whatever the time that's needed to figure out whatever way you can support someone. I think one of the things that I've learned in my short time on this planet is the um, instantaneous culture that I think we sometimes encounter and live in. Mm-hmm. And it's every interaction, it has to start this way. And then right. it transitions like this. And then at the end, the question is, how can I support? And you have to have, at least this is the way that I was taught. Yeah, you have to have two or three things that concrete things that the person can help you. <laughs> when in reality, it's like I, I don't even know what those things are sometimes to begin with. Right. And what if you just accomplish those three through some other connection, and you haven't had the time to think of another three or whatever the number may be. Right. So I, I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up as far as not enforcing the answer or whatever the perceived answer that you want to have or perceived outcome. And that goes back to something that you mentioned halfway through this conversation. And it's really the desire listening to understand and not listening to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's really, and that I think boils down to a lot on the story that we have prior to a conversation yeah. story that we create as far as, okay, it has to go this way. This is when I'm going to ask this question. If he says this, I will say that. And if you think about it, it's, it's kind of the truth of like how our narrative and inner dialogue works. It, there, there is, in my opinion, there is very little open space, yeah. no structure, no right. questions. 
yeah. everything it it is that blueprint that formulates yep. itself and you have to break it sometimes in understanding that hey maybe that's not the experience i want to have yeah i don't want to ask those questions I don't mm-hmm. want it to be scripted. Sure. I want to go off script into a land where I may not know what to even ask or what to say. And so a lot of it really just boils down to questioning that story. Mm-hmm. What's that story that's running in, inside of your head that maybe is preventing you from having a quote unquote difficult conversation? I even catch myself in situations where I would have a conversation with a friend of mine with my dad and whoever else. And sometimes I would externalize this thing saying, hey, this might be difficult or hey, I know this might be awkward. But then I have to stop myself and and ask myself the question of who's to say that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's to say that this has to be a difficult conversation? Yeah. Who's to say that this has to be an awkward conversation? You. Right. Right. You chose that. Right. That was the foundation you chose to build. Right. But maybe even in that situation, if that's what it is, just say, frame it as, you know, this is difficult for me. And maybe that's what we're trying to express. Um, And maybe that's the more authentic thing to say is, you know, um, and and just putting putting your vulnerability on the table there at the beginning, you know, would open it up for, you know, them. And that way, you know, you're saying, hey, it's awkward for me, too, because if you think it's going to be awkward for them, but it's awkward for you, obviously, because you're thinking that then, you know, just by saying this is awkward for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, but I want to, but despite the awkwardness, I still want to have it because it's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's part of, I, you know, to be very clear, like I never felt like I wasn't loved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that was that, that, that never, um, you know, happened. Um, but you know, it's just a way, right? I mean, in, in, in feeling, you know, those, some of those, those conversations, um, you know, that did, that didn't happen early in my life. Um, you know, you, you wonder, um, you know, about those things and, and it's a, yeah, that, that, that richness that's there, um, when we do kind of, you know, express, um, ourselves fully with the emotions. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, you know, we all have to gain from this is, you know, we, you know, there, there's a, there's a rich, much richer um, experience waiting for all of us. Um, if we're able to, you know, create the space and really get curious about, you know, ourselves and, and those around us. Mm-hmm. Quinn, I know you're doing a bunch of awesome stuff right now in the world and have been with the work that you've done in regard to, especially the space of engineering and the conversations that you've been wanting to have. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about more about that work and what are some ways that people can get in touch with it, learn more about it, help you in whatever way that they can make introductions to different people, organizations. What's, what's the best way that people can support you along your journey? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. For me, the part of the, the easiest place is just, you know, anyone who's listening, if we're not already connected, um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my, uh, my clearing house. Um, I have uh, a program now where I'm working with uh, emotional intelligence for architects and engineers and consultants um, that I've gotten approved uh, for one uh, continuing education credit with the uh, American Institute of Architects. So that's a, 
um, with everything going on now, been able to do that over uh, Zoom. That's been a really interesting because, you know, kind of what we talked about, you know, this this engineering mm. and, and EQ kind of, you know, some people are like, good luck with that. Or they rolled their eyes and are, or, oh, that's mm-hmm. needed. And, and, you know, it's it's an interesting, you know, and, and you know, this conversation today is is needed just like, you know, the, the, the backbone, what's on the backside of all this is, you know, AI and automation are coming. Um, and if with AI and automation, you know, computers are going to be doing a lot of these, um, you know, rote tasks and things that we used to get paid to do. Um, you know, for me as an engineer, I can think of, you know, one project I worked on that probably took me about three days to do. I could probably, you know, do in three hours right now if I had the right mm-hmm. data. And so, um, you know, what does it mean to be an engineer? I think is changing. And that's why for me, you know, creativity and collaboration is where that comes. And I think the foundation for, creativity and collaboration comes from a place of emotional intelligence. And so that's, um, that's a, that's why this is, is top of mind for me. And, you know, it, it, it becomes, um, you know, a better world because I think the other thing we we see is in the environment, you know, we, um, you know, you don't, we're not going to solve today's problems with yesterday's technology. And so mm-hmm. we have the ability now with, uh, you know, with advances to um, use tomorrow's technology. Um, and I think that's really you know, if we do that and we really tap into, you know, and this is why, you know, diversity, inclusion, these things really matter is, you know, I, I believe every human, um, you know, actually the name of my, you know, coaching company is Infinite Humans. You know, I believe we all have infinite creative potential. Mm-hmm. And and if we can tap into that and if we can tap into that with, with everybody, I mean, that's the number one resource that's untapped in this world is uh, human potential. And, you know. And in the field of engineering, being able to tap in that to do new and innovative things is really what's driving me forward. So, um, you know, thank you for, you know, having me on today and, and having a really rich conversation, um, you know, that, that touched on some of that. And if there's anyone who, you know, wants to have, um, you know, a, a further conversation on what it means to be an engineer and, and, and working to get in touch with your emotions, um, you know, please, uh, you know, reach out to me. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important now and it just will become more and more important, you know, as we progress into the future. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.